0: Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is the art show on KCLR with Inimi Wildownig. You are very, very welcome along. Coming up on this evening's show, in just a few moments, we'll be meeting Kilkenny actress Amy Dunn. And then a little later, I'll introduce you to a very creative couple, Angela Kyo and John McKenney. They're both writers, playwrights, novelists, poets. They direct, they perform, and they've actually each directed each other in their work. So I don't know whether that's couple goals or whether one or both of them should be in line for some international peace award. But in any case, I'm looking forward to hearing all about that very creative household. We'll also try perhaps to squeeze in a little piece of music and we'll find out what's coming up of interest over the coming week in Carlo and Kilkenny. And so to our first guest this evening, something that I've actually been meaning to mention on the art show is the poetry broadsheet published by Kilkenny County Council Arts Office did you know that you can free phone one 272 994 pick a number between 0 and 9 to listen to one of 12 fabulous poems written by Kilkenny poets and if you do that one of the voices you'll hear is that of tonight's first guest Kilkenny actress Amy Dunn Amy you're very very welcome to studio how are you? Very well thanks Eoinette thanks for having me. Well it's our absolute pleasure I wanted to ask you firstly about that poetry initiative can you tell me off the top your head, which of the poems you read, you probably can't.
1: Um, oh my god, <laughs> at the top of my head. Well, it's been on and off over the course of the last, I suppose, year, year and a half. So I've been recording them on and off. So there's a lot there, but I, I can't remember any of the names. That's but okay. Yeah. I was trying to see
0: if I could identify <laughs> your voice, but I couldn't. Yeah. But it's fabulous. There is the actual physical broadsheet available in the libraries. But what a lovely treat of an evening just to dial up and hear somebody. It's,
1: it's so lovely. And all the ones I've worked on, like, oh my, like the standard is amazing. Like, they're incredible, incredible poems. And, like, they range from various topics as well. Um, So it's just really interesting to, like, perform the work um of all the poets and that, like, they're just, yeah, an incredibly talented bunch. Yeah, yes. they're amazing.
0: Yeah, they are. And actually, everything I heard, there was a great range, as you say, of topics. So yeah, do yeah. yourselves a favour and dial 1-800-272-994 for a little poetry treat <laughs> sometime when you need it most. Now, I want to go back to the very beginning, which is what I always like to do, Amy. (laughs) and i want to
1: ask you how did the the acting bug bite for you oh god um well it's a long it feels like a long time ago which it was um so it was back in 2000 i was in transition year and um it was through the young irish filmmakers um and there was a new theater company starting up uh run by mike kelly and it was called dream stuff for you theater and it's actually still going today which is great um so they, I, I remember reading the paper, and there was a call out for um their first play, which was Monty Python's Life of Brian, and a good friend of mine, she was going along to the audition. So I kind of was more. I think I was more going along for her for support and just to kind of meet boys or whatever. <laughs> um, and then I ended up getting, uh, Brian's love interest, Judith. And I guess I kind of have been doing it since, um, just doing plays since I kind of stayed with that particular youth theatre and then that kind of, we kind of graduated on to devious, um, theatre. That's a um a professional theatre company based in Kilkenny as well. So you jumped yeah. right in there. Yeah, but you didn't
0: really intend to get involved. I have to ask. I
1: just have to, Amy, forgive me, but did your friend get cast in something? She did. Oh God, she did. She <laughs> okay. was fine. She did, and she's done like loads of plays since. So she was fine. But
0: <laughs> well, you know, you do mm. often hear that
1: that somebody just goes along with somebody yeah. else, and it
0: sparks something in I them. I think so.
1: And with this particular friend, like we always kind of, when we were younger, we did like we'd always do little sketches together. Anyway, so I think the. the the interest for me was always there, but I wasn't sure if it was something I'd do, do. You know, it was more to kind of maybe meet people. And you're at that age as well where you just kind of want to be hanging out with people your age and different people as well. So yeah, it kind of, it kind of ticked a lot of boxes, I suppose. And it's yeah. really
0: adrenaline rush as well. That's yeah. once, once you get that, you want to yeah more. I
1: think. And I remember someone, I have such a memory. We did it at the Watergate Theater, and it ran for about a week. And I remember someone saying, "Oh, you started at the top in terms of comedy because it was Monty Python." And I wasn't really sure what they meant, but I think they just trying to say oh you've like that like it was like Full Houses the particular play went down really really well and it was actually the stage premiere of Life of Brian. it would never been done on stage before Um, so I remember being like oh what do they mean by that but I think now looking back and like oh yeah like the material was just so funny and I think for me um, and most of my friends that I'm still friends with that did that play it's like if you start off doing a play and you have that laughter and warmth from the audience it's kind of hard to step away from that it's like amazing. it's kind of so addictive but yeah. give
0: yourselves credit as well because when you have a big ticket item like that as well, yeah. you have to deliver or the laughs oh, don't come and well, that is not a nice yeah, place to be. Yeah. Well,
1: I think it's because the ages we were as well, we kind of like, we put in all the work, but we had no inhibition. We just kind of like, didn't, yes, yes. you know, we kind of were there to have fun. And I think that was, I think that always shows to an audience people that people are up there enjoying themselves. And we certainly were like, we were just having a laugh on and off the stage. So I think that always shines through, I think. So I, I think, think, yeah. there's
0: something huge in that. And I think as well, I've heard writers say this will come on to your writing and just a moment but Mm. that the more you learn about technique and the
1: rules of writing it can actually be a handicap whereas you as a young
0: TY student you were just giving it your all yeah
1: we were and and you're kind of forming friendships and it was everything that was happening off the stage as well and all that there's probably many stories there but probably not the forum for them anyway no no
0: Take me to the point where you decided this was going to be how you made your living. Yeah
1: well I think um like it was something I just loved from the get go and I was like I, I think I'll always want to do this or have some kind of involvement in it and I didn't think then as I got older and like I went to college I kind of just knew I think this is something I'll always, a road I'll always want to go down Um and then when um Devious Theatre came along like the, the work as we were getting older as well material just kind of got stronger and everyone was kind of getting into it a bit more and Getting into, I suppose, the craft of it or whatever you want to say, and I just think I kind of knew. No, I'm. Um, you're looking around and you've seen other people just going for it, and I was like, I think I want to, to go for it myself and kind of to see see where it takes me in that. So okay. And and did you
0: ever have moments since then where you thought, you know, what? I, I asked this question. I had someone I'm sure you'll know from auditions, if not from various projects. Yes. Actually, I think you worked on Wolfwalkers together, if I'm not mistaken. But I had, um, Murrin Ryan in Yes, yeah, I know Murrin. And yeah, I was great. asking her or yeah. did you ever think this is just too hard because it is hard to yeah. be honest
1: it is um but i think like for me it's just I mean, it's just all the joy it's brought me and it's like it's kind of the energy it gives you and the people that it brings into your life. And I think that's something I always go to. It's like, well, why why are you doing this? And to ask that question in times when it maybe feels a bit difficult, it's like, no, go back to your youth theatre in your mind and just be like, no, it's it was always for the fun and the curiosity and the enjoyment. So okay. I think that always helps. Yeah. OK, super. Stay with us because Amy John, actress, that's
0: the voice you're hearing. She is going to tell us more about her life as an actress right after this. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland This is the Art Show on KCLR with Unaneeve Valdanig. You're very welcome back to our chat with Amy Dunn, actress and writer. We're going to get to that in a moment. By the way, if you have any questions for Amy, 83 9696 you can text them in. I'm going to put you on the spot, Amy. Someone's going to ask you a really hard acting um, question. Now, I'm going to um, maybe skip on a little bit because you spent a year in New York, didn't you? And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah.
1: Actually, Amy, sorry, I've cut you off there. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, yeah. So, um, that was, I went to the Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute for a year. Um, I did like a one year program there. And I suppose at the time I was feeling like I was kind of working, um, as an actor anyway, but it was one of those things where, where I'd like to go somewhere for a year and just live in a different city anyway. And then I happened, I just saw this course online. I was like, actually, yeah, it'd be kind of, this would be a good time to maybe go and maybe kind of um work on some, I don't know, acting things or just kind of do a bit more research and kind of just expand or whatever. Um, So that was back in 2014, 2015. And yeah, it was a particular highlight, definitely. Was it?
0: Yeah. And so you wanted to, I love the dual motivation there, taste another country, but also learn more about your craft, which is amazing. But I just wonder, is there a difference between our perspective on acting, you know, the methods or whatever, you know, over here compared to the States? Yeah, it was
1: really interesting. And what was really interesting more so about the school, which I didn't realise at the time was it through such an international crowd. Like I thought, oh, I was going to be the token Irish person and everyone would be American and I'd really stand out. But oh no, like (laughs) everyone was from all over the place. And that was really fun for me because for like, you'd be partnered with different people every week in different classes. So you're kind of working with five or six people every week and with loads of different kinds of teachers as well that were from all over. So I think when you're, I don't know, working with different people and watching how they approach stuff and it, it, you just can't help but learn and kind of absorb that and take it all in. And I've always loved doing that. Like even when I wasn't cooking previous to that, like I always loved working with different theatre companies and trying all different kinds of things because I just think you kind of come away and you're like, well, this is what I enjoy or maybe what I don't enjoy or this is what I want to work on or not. So I think that's what New York was for me was I just want to work with different people. I know I've never worked with it before and all the different amazing teachers that that school had as well was just invaluable. Yeah. It was... You can soak it up and I guess you can still, you know, keep true your own methods, whatever works for you. Yeah, that doesn't totally. Go away. Yeah. And that always changes as well. And I've always, like, I always love dipping in and out of different, like, kind of ways of learning or approaching stuff. And it just depends on the actual project and everything. So talk me through. So you can take an example, if you wish, maybe a particular
0: role that you loved. And what I'm really interested in is how did you get into it?
1: Like, what did you do to help you to really I suppose, be that character, live that character. Um, yeah, I'll just, um, there's just one that actually just sprung to my mind. Just as you said it, it was, it was actually a character in, in a theatre play called The Roaring Banshees. It was one that actually did theatre. Theatre did, and it was on in Smock Alley. Um, I think it's almost four years ago now, maybe four or five years ago, and it ran up there for a few weeks. And that was a really fun character. Um, and yeah, it's always one I've kind of looked back on with fun memories as well. Um, it was a comedy; it was quite a dark comedy, so you kind of got to hit on lots of different, I suppose, notes with it and that. And um, and I suppose it's one of those things where I just read the scripts like. Loads. Like, I think that's something I do. It's, just, it's all in, in the script. Like, you don't need to kind of go off and do all this maths stuff I think sometimes you just sit and read it and then something you'll notice one day you didn't notice the previous day or something like that. So I think that was maybe my approach for that. Cause it, and was set like in the 1920s. So obviously there was a little, obviously research and you want to make sure you're not doing anything, um, too mad. It didn't exist around that time or whatever, but like, um, it was just a real fun project and fun character. So that's one I have fun and I, memories of. Yeah. I
0: wonder, is it helpful because obviously you didn't get the chance to meet the writer, which you often won't, but mm. sometimes you will. Is that helpful when you can ask them, hold on now, where exactly should I be going with her? I know that's a director's role, but mm. the writer is the person that creates the character. Yeah,
1: and actually it was it, this particular one was written by um, two friends of mine, which is really handy. So I was able to kind of ask questions. But to be, I remember looking back actually, I, I didn't ask too much at the same time, I, I, or even um, the director then as well I kind of, um, they kind of left you to your own devices but in a real trusting way, like I think their work was done and then they kind of handed it over to you and if you have questions, you have questions but I kind of felt they kind of, there's a lot of trust there and they kind of let you kind of run with it then so I kind of like the freedom of that as okay, well Okay, I misunderstood you, I thought yeah. that it had been written back in the Sorry, no, it was set in the 1920s but it was written okay, back okay. like, yeah, about five six years ago a- or so. And can you remind me what in particular you liked about it what was it about that character that stands out for you um, she, well, she was a showgirl and it was set like in 1920 Chicago so I just loved this kind of fun entertaining aspect of it um, but she had a really um, interesting history as well like she was an orphan and grew up in a workhouse so there was a lot to work with as well like all the characters that were written for that play were just really interesting and kind of their backstories as well were really um, interesting in that so yeah Okay, fab. Mm. And you sing as well, don't you? Um, I, I do, yeah. I haven't in a while, but I do. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah.
0: worry. I'm not going to ask you to sleep.
2: <laughs> don't
1: anyway. I
0: did. I, I have been known
1: to, but I will not. I, I yeah. can see. Another you, time. <laughs> yes, but your, your first love is acting, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I suppose like when you're doing it over the years, you kind of try different mediums as well. So maybe singing, I would have done plays with singing in it or I've done musicals and that as well, but mostly acting. Yeah.
0: Okay. I want to ask you, so you were back there in T. Y. You started to think. I think I'd like to do this. I want this buzz. Has the career as an actress? Do I say actress or actor? By the way,
1: um, either
0: or. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, your career in the acting world
1: has it delivered on your expectations? Um, that's a great question. It like it hasn't. It hasn't. I think I've learned so much. Like I think it's one of those things where everyone has such different experiences and I just think you kind of like especially around the pandemic was the time I really was asking myself the questions like okay will I still do this or how's it going or you know what do I want to achieve and I just think it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of just take it year by year. And I think for me, you just keep it fresh for yourself. Like you kind of just try different things within it, like the writing I'm hoping to do now or, or different courses and stuff like that. Um So I think in many ways, I'm still I feel very lucky that I get to do it. Absolutely. But there's so much more I want to do. And there's so many other paths I want to go down as well so like I kind of still want to, I still feel driven to kind of accomplish more or to try new things definitely. Okay super, I probably framed that question as though your days were were
0: numbered, <laughs> no. you were on the way out but you're far from it, you're very fresh faced mm. but it leads me to the next thing I want to ask you about because I know that you started to write, tell mm. me about you know your, your jumping into the writing world what your motivation there was. Yeah
1: well it's something I think I've always been curious about and that I've always wanted to do and it's just something that hasn't kind of happened yet or it's something that I haven't kind of I suppose let myself kind of do but I suppose in the last few years as well I've kind of wanted to create my own work and a lot of Friends of mine and peers as well would do the same. You kind of create your own opportunities. Um, instead of sitting around waiting for something, it's like you kind of put yourself in the driver's seat and it's like, no, this is the kind of work I want to do and I'm just going to create that for myself um, and others that I want to work with around me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of really um, getting into screenwriting, screenplays at the moment, and I kind of want to write for, like, film and TV. So there's some, I suppose, projects or ideas I'm working on at the moment that I'd love to... Um, yeah, create and see where they go. That sounds amazing. If you've just tuned our way by the way I'm here chatting to Kenny
0: actress Amy Dunn and she's been telling me about the writing that she started to engage in and I suppose often if you're playing a role Amy you're limited in a sense. I know you can go in certain directions you can add your own little je ne sais quoi but when you create the character that's like it's an amazing opportunity isn't it to play out
1: your all the dreams you've had as a performer. Definitely it's, it's it's fun because you're the one maybe calling the shots. Um, but it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes you're like, well, I can't throw everything in there. So I think it's trying to discipline the, the. Um, the piece as well and be like um, and kind of make those decisions kind of like this is the piece and it is and I can't you know let's maybe save this idea for another project or you know bring this in for another project but it is it, it's fun because you're creating your own world I suppose so there you're kind of creating your own rules for it as well so that's really fun
0: and it's such a different experience isn't it so mm-hmm. does that tick the boxes that you hoped it would because we spoke about the adrenaline that comes with performing and you get a lot of feedback not always good but you <laughs> definitely get it Yes. It's it's
1: missing in the writing, certainly in the craft of it anyway, yeah, when you start. Yeah, well, I think, I suppose anyone out there that I know is writing, like they, they all say the same, like it can be very isolating at times because it's all in your own head. So it is good to kind of check in with people or send stuff to people or do even like, you know, courses or work with mentors that they can kind of help guide you along. And then you feel like, oh, it's not just all in your own head, that you're kind of, you know, you're working with someone else and that really helps as well. Okay. Well, listen, we cannot wait to... To to find out what's going
0: to come next from you, Amy John, actress, it's been fabulous to catch up. Is there anything you want
1: to give us a heads up about it? anything in the pipeline? Um, yeah, well, I, I'm working on a, a short film at the moment and it's going to be based in Kilkenny. It's a Kilkenny story. So that's something that I hope to um, film in 2024. So that'll definitely be something um, to keep an eye on. Um, definitely.
0: Okay. Well, we will we will look for your name, and I've no doubt that we will continue to see it in lights as we have been seeing for how many years now Twenty uh, 23 I think twenty three. Yeah, who's I'm counting? Who's I am counting. I am. It turns out,
1: Amy Dunn, actress and writer. Are we, do you call yourself a writer yet? By the um, way, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm like, no, I'm doing it. So, yeah. Yes, you
0: are. <laughs> yeah, so Amy Dunn, yeah. actress and writer. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. I'm going to be introducing you very shortly to Angela Kyo and John McKenna. Very excited. An artistic power couple in the house, so we've got lots of chats coming your way in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to just mention a couple of things that are coming up over the next week or so around or about Carlo and Kilkenny. There's what looks like an absolutely fabulous gig happening in Freshford this weekend. It's on Friday the 20th. Don Baker is playing in St. Lockton's. I might be mispronouncing that, I'm not sure, but it's the church there in Freshford and he's playing at 8pm. Tickets are 22.50. They're available on Eventbrite. The main church, by the way, there was built in the 1700s and there is a apparently a 12th century Hiberno-Romanesque doorway at the entrance. So worth a visit even just to see that. But I know that centre have lovely gigs there and they're well worth checking out. Coming way into the city in the Watergate this Saturday, the comedian Reginald D. Hunter is bringing his latest comedic offering that's happening Saturday the 21st. And then in Carlo, the Carlo Little Theatre Society are bringing their one acts to the Seven Oaks tonight. So you've got to get the skates on. They're performing at 7.30 tonight and tomorrow night. 15 euro and that is incredible value because there are three plays on Locks and Loaded. Um, Heiligenstad, I might be mispronouncing that. Mark Craddock, please forgive me if I am. I know that's your baby that you wrote. But anyway, we spoke about it on the, the programme a couple of weeks ago. That's on as well and Writer's Block. So lots and lots of value for money. Speaking of value for money, I have two amazing artists in studio with us this evening. I am thrilled to be joined by Angela. Uh, Kyo and by John McKenna. Let me just see what mics were. Well, yes, we're on. Good evening to you both. You're very welcome to KCLR. Hi, here. I don't know where to start because I was looking through the CVs of both of you and there is so much on both of them that we're only going to skim the surface, I think. But I might start with you, Angela, because the reason you were here with me is I met you over the summer and you were telling me about a play that you wrote and you were performing in it yourself. And I said, God, that's quite a challenge to perform your own work. And then you told me that your life partner, John, was directing you. And I was, I was, I was blown away by this. Can we talk about that experience a little bit, starting with you?
2: You can, of course. Um, that's right. That was the girls in the boat. Uh, play about four women rowers and the funny thing is there actually was also a male character in that and after the first rehearsal I realised we didn't need him Um, so um, he he was written out of it and the male character became the director but he would have directed it anyway so um, yeah you have to kind of be fluid at these things Hold on, so was John... Fired from the play
3: yeah uh, on the first night yeah absolutely <laughs> my goodness the
0: plot thickens what did you do John that got you kicked off your, your, your wife's play I think it's
3: when when we'd had a read through uh, on the first night uh, I think it became clear that actually the play would be much 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 stronger without the male character um, and um, it was a much tighter script I think when he was gone so what was he doing that was surplus to requirement? Just as a matter of interest, he was there as a coach. Um, but actually, he he still he remained in the play, but he didn't appear on stage in the sense that he he was spoken. He was referred a lot to, by okay. The people and and actually at one point he does appear, but he appears as represented by one of the other female actors.
0: And who um, called him, Angela or John?
2: Well, as we went through the rehearsal process, um, it was clear that. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's not that he wasn't needed because he was very central to the story and I certainly needed him to write the play when I was writing the play I needed that character in the play but then as we read through it um, it was clear that the women's characters could just talk about him he had a huge influence on all of them and so he became part of their story but It was more value there was the it stage. a
0: comedic sort of
2: reference to him no um, he appears in the stories of all the women Actually, It um, does. Yeah, because I mean, there's one
3: particular there's one particular scene which is quite comic uh, about his his um, yeah he took great umbrage at one uh, point about how uh, the roars were being treated at another club, which was quite a funny scene. But but it was told uh, by somebody by else. And actress, okay, and, and it worked really well. And I think the fact that it, the story is called girls in the boat. It's about four women.
0: It uh, made more I, sense I, I that he wasn't it, in it. a
3: much stronger play as a result.
0: But you yeah. know what I'm interested in asking you about there? When you write something, and obviously you created that character, you created the dialogue, that's quite t- It's difficult, isn't it? Well, I imagine it is to write dialogue. It must be hard to press delete, even if it's for the greater good, but it's hours of your work that's that's gone up in smoke a little bit. How difficult is that to be really strict with yourself in terms of quality control, like that example? It's a good question. Um, I'm quite merciless
2: at a certain point. So is John, because really it's about the work and keeping it really tight, what you need and what you don't need. Um, and it's just part of the process. In a way, nothing's wasted because you need it all in order to write it. So when you're writing something, it's not going to be perfect in your first draft. And sometimes you have to give yourself permission to just put it all down. But then, just a really important part of writing, and just as important, in fact, maybe more important, is the editing process where you can then say, okay, how do I tighten this up? What's repeated? What's not needed? Is everything working hard? Does everything deserve to be there? So I don't know if it's wasted. It doesn't feel like that. There's something very
0: satisfying about editing. Okay, good. And it's the process. If you just tuned away, by the way, I am here speaking with Angela Claude. Kyo, excuse me, I'm rechristening you there, Angela, and her husband, John McKenna, they are in talking about their artistic work in its many, many guises. We're talking about editing here and going back over your work. And I wonder what role you each play in the editing of each other's work, because that can be a little bit delicate and tricky. John is making, I don't know what kind of a face, but I feel this can be maybe contentious. Am I wrong? Uh,
3: There's we both teach in a creative writing program called The Head School and, and one of the first things I would say to the students and, and, and I teach in Minute as well um, there's a wonderful quotation from a French writer whose name has slipped my mind uh, he, he said write as though your parents are dead uh, in that sense of not looking over your shoulder all the time and I, I certainly I won't say that I never ask Angela about something I'm working on and, and she sometimes will, will ask me but we tend to work quite independently i i tend not to show anything to anybody until i feel it has reached a point uh, where it's been put together and taken apart and why is
0: that are you afraid of the influence of
3: yeah yeah it as in also one of the other things whenever i'm working on a book i don't read any other prose and that might be for a year i will read poetry or i might read memoir but i won't read any other prose because i'm always conscious of the fact that I don't want to be influenced by somebody else's work and I, I think also um Amy who was, who was here before us was talking about the fact that it's quite isolated when you're writing it is in one way and in another way it's quite crowded because there's not just you as a writer there are the two or three or four or five or six other characters that you're dealing with and it's a bit like living in a house with five or six strangers for a year or 18 months Uh, and that's enough to be getting on with for me Uh, and I'm not speaking for Angela but for me those are the only people who matter in the construction Okay
0: so you like it pretty tight before you bring it to Angela and do you then bring it to Angela?
3: yeah I would I would I would ask Angela to read it I, I would give the work to two people I'd give it to Angela and I'd give it to my agent uh, Jonathan Williams they'd be the first two people to read it okay but at that stage it would be pretty well
0: pretty tight done. yeah and Angela I, I'm, I'm going to come to your process in a second and how you involve John in that but I mean forgive me for saying this John but if you think no he's gotten this wrong and I think this would be a really good tweak how do you broach that because it's pretty delicate isn't it
2: Well, I guess um, it has happened (laughs) and i would just be honest, you know, I might say um, that's a really good scaffolding for something. I'm wondering. And I'd ask questions. I think that's always the best way to give feedback. Ask a few questions. It's not clear here. I'm not sure about that. That's really interesting. Could you do more of that? It's a much better way. It's a much more helpful way, I think, to give feedback than, you know, so I'd often ask questions. I think that's the thing. And
3: just uh, before the pandemic, um, we worked on a play together that I had written called The Mental. It was a one man show set in a psychiatric hospital and Angela directed it. And um, I had kind of pretty structured ideas about how I thought the play would work. And uh, through, the, through the rehearsal process, uh, it, it got taken apart and put back together, again qu- radically differently and much better than the draft I had done in the beginning. Um, Angela tends to be quite gentle about, uh, she'll say, have you thought about, or would you think about this, or have you considered that? Um, and, and normally I say, no, I haven't. But then by the end of the day, I have. And then probably the following day, it's been changed. Um, and But I think that's, that's actually very good because it's somebody outside it. And particularly for stage work, it's very difficult to direct yourself on stage and to see how you look and hear how you sound. So it's it's really important to somebody outside it. I, I probably if Angela gives me something to read of hers, I, I probably less subtle about it and I'd probably say that's not working. Yes, well let's yeah. go
0: to you, so Angela, you at what stage of the game or of the process would you the game, I say, as if it's as if it's a game, it's far from it. Oh, but well, when do you involve John?
2: Um Different at different stages, definitely um, at the end. And sometimes as I'm going through it, but generally speaking, only you will have only the person writing it really has the vision of what they're doing. And that's in all things. So and sometimes you can't explain it to somebody because you don't really have the whole process. But definitely if something's finished, I'd hand it to John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I trust his I trust his judgment.
0: Well, I mean, that's a really valuable thing to have as a soundboard, isn't it? Someone whose opinion, you know, is is really good and that you're sort of in sync in a, in a lot of ways, which I imagine you are. Can I ask you both for a career highlight as, a, as artists?
2: Gosh, there's so many. Just recently, I think, well, there were two projects over the summer that I really enjoyed. One was part of Creative Places, Bagnellstown fantastic project with Louise Osborne there the the new um, Creative Places Arts Officer in Bagnellstown and we ran a session in Doyle's ice cream parlour on Friday mornings it was so much fun and every Friday was different and we'd visit musicians that was brilliant and then we did the girls in the boat to play over the summer and that was certainly brilliant fun and with Lane Rowe with Susie Mitchell Mary Pat Maloney and John Directon. It was just fantastic. We just had a great experience. It was in the Rowan Club and we'll be touring with that again. Um Yeah, I think there might two most recent. Uh, yeah.
0: That's fab Do you think, Angela, I'm going to come to you in a second, John, but do you think that you have gotten better as a writer and does that give you a greater sense of satisfaction when you're looking at those works, for example, and you're thinking, I'm really happy with the with the product, what we made there? Yes. Yeah.
2: Um to be happy with it is is great and I've written about four books. One of them's published. And might, the other one might come out next year. One of them was selected for the Irish Writers' Centre Novel Fair in 2020. That was great. Um, and then it was put into print which is great as well, another part of the process. But the writing of it sometimes is the victory in itself to actually is it? finish
0: something. But but, but that, if people don't read it, I suppose, that can seem, again, there I am counting up the time I've invested in my project. And I, I want some value for that. I want a little bit of recognition. So it's nice that your book is out there and it's it's going to go to reprint or it's going to be read. Because I think that's an important part you know, of the feedback. I think it's probably why we do so many things because if you're just
2: doing the novel as John was saying you're you're doing that on your own it's, it's isolating whereas if you're working in theatre we have the Hedge School um, you know we have loads of different projects on the go you have a really wide and full creative life even if the novel doesn't you know, it doesn't get read widely. You have have a whole lot of other stuff. Okay.
0: um, Tell me more about the Hedge
2: School, either or both of you can jump in here. The Hedge School is an adult um, creative writing programme. It also has uh, theatre in it. Next year it'll have music in it. um, We do a a programme. It's one Saturday a month for the year. People sign up to it and they're part of the same group for the year. They work on what they want to work on. And we look at different... We look at characters through different ways. We look at stories through different ways. Um, can you say anything else about it, John? Yeah, it,
3: it originally was called The Hedge School on the Moon because it's it's based in the little village of Moon in County oh, And it's a really... Uh, to be honest with you, sometimes when you go in to teach kind of come out feeling exhausted but I think one of the great things about The high School is because of the novel approach to it, um, no pun intended there, but <laughs> uh, because Angela does a lot of theatre work with students in developing, as she said, characters I tend to work a lot out in the local landscape with people uh, on their writing and it's just great fun and anybody who's there is there because they really want to be there and they want to look at things and it, it it's radically different from any other writing course that I have ever come across uh, because it's hugely interactive and it's not you know it's not 20 people sitting at 20 desks it's up and doing and out and about and there's just a great sense of camaraderie and and the, the great thing about it is that all of us who are there the two of us who are Teaching on it, and the twenty people this year who are taking the course—we're all writers.
0: And um, are you all working on the same project? Is it no, a collaborative? Everybody's working on something different. Projects.
3: Everybody's working. Yeah, sometimes people come together and collaborate, uh, and they certainly they would when they're working on theatre pieces with Angela. They would they would often work together. But actually, the great thing is over the course of a year to see people who were terrified of their own work to see them get up and perform their own and other people's work to hear them get up and read to see them produce stuff that they never thought they would produce that, yes, that, that's very just satisfying. so fantastic I love Absolutely. that
0: we're here by the way chatting to Angela Kyo and John McKenna about many many guises of art because these two this power couple are involved in so many of those I wanted to ask you both I think I'm, I'm trying to get a fight going that, that seems to be where my questions are going but I wanted to ask you when you're performing in the other's work because you've both done that, haven't you? Yes. How does that pan out? Does that cause difficulties if the interpretation isn't quite there? Are you just very in sync? I'm kind of getting the sense you are, actually. Oh, no, we do disagree,
2: for yeah. sure. Yeah, we do disagree and we have different approaches to things. And But I suppose we try and keep the work in the, in the centre and see actually what works best. Yeah. Um,
3: and and actually I, I suppose we were funny we were talking about this outside before we came in and Angela said something about which is true uh, about the fact that, that you know the old saying what goes on tour stays on tour <laughs> what goes on in the rehearsal room stays in the rehearsal room we don't there might be I won't say the mother and father of row because Angela refuses point blank to row but I, I do sometimes uh, have a different approach Um but what happens there is about the play. It's not about it's not about the person. It's about the performance and it's about the script and it's about bringing the two of those things together. Uh, and if there's a criticism going back or forth, uh, it's, it isn't about the person. It's about trying to make the performance better, better or make the fab- script better or whatever it happens to be. And And I suppose one of the things is that you can't, You can't direct a play by committee, you can't write a book by committee. Uh, so the one person, right or wrong, uh, has to take control of it, and that's the director. So if, if Angela's directing and she says X, Y, or Z to me, I have to accept that in the end. Okay, mightn't agree with it, but I have to accept it.
0: So that's the rule basically. And by the yeah. way, I, I've discovered the Peace Prize, if there is one uh, begging, it's going to Angela. It turns out because <laughs> oh, <yeah>. you <laughs> don't fight <laughs> Angela, you'd have to
2: give me tips. So a really good tip for a director is to know once the show starts, you're always in the director's role, always. So if you're at the kitchen table, you're still in the director's role. So if somebody's talking about the work, and we don't tend to talk about it that much at the kitchen table, we might do other things. We run the website, we run our Instagram, we will do all of that stuff. But we won't be pulling the work apart there. You know, we'll be we'll be planning our next project or or dealing with what we're doing. Because, you know, you can undo an awful lot mm. by talking about it outside. So I suppose that's... But that's, that takes I,
0: a lot of discipline, doesn't it? it does, does, to to yeah. limit yourselves to certain times when you're talking about something that is probably the be-all and end-all of what you're thinking about at a particular... I would find that hard if I'm working on something that consumes me a little bit.
3: Yeah, I suppose if you spend... And, and you might do, you might spend five, six, seven hours working on something, uh, you know, during the day. And actually, in a way, it's kind of a relief to come home and talk rubbish.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, we watch Called the Midwife. That's what we do yeah, after a show. Yeah. One of you were talking about being in sync. We were on stage on a highlight. We were on stage at the National Concert Hall and we were doing Between Your Love and Mine John's um, Beautiful Requiem by Leonard Cohn. and the f- smoke machine was on and we were sitting there and we had never had a smoke machine on stage before and it was a really casual decision. Don't make casual decisions for big shows <laughs> and all of a sudden the, the front row couldn't see the stage. Oh it was my like, God. It was, and we were, I could see John perspiring and I thought okay what will I do so I walked off the stage which was really strange because you know I just thought well I'm going to have to do it and go and talk to somebody and then we came back and John had gone off stage Shortly after that, you weren't back for your piece, so I read his piece. It was just really funny, like it you know. But it scary all went though, fine. And it's
0: all going a little bit pear shaped, but something like that that catches you unaware is can be very stressful. You want to have a nice, calm
3: reaction to it. Yeah, and and there were like there were thirteen people, fourteen people on stage that night, which is is always a panic. You know, there were there was a band and there were three singers and actors it, it's kind of quite different that's one of the great things I think about a one person show if something goes wrong you're the only one who can correct it but you're the only one who knows it's gone wrong as well uh, and and yes, it, it's much actually. get out of a situation Yeah, like yeah. That, I never thought know. of that
0: but you want to be um, good on the feet wouldn't you to think of something yeah well and it's
3: surprising what perspiration and, and, and you know, <laughs> what can kick stage, in you know,
0: yes listen you mentioned Leonard Cohen and I definitely yeah. want to talk about him after the break I'm here with Angela Kyo and John McKenna come back right after these With thanks to Gulkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Inamie Valdanig. You're very welcome back to The Art Show. I'm here with Angela Coe and John McKenna and we were about to get into it about Leonard Cohen because a lot of your work, John, has how can I put it, well, has featured Leonard Cohen, the work of Leonard Cohen. Take me back to the beginning of that journey, how you met him. I think you described him as a friend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
3: we were friends for 30 years, 30 plus years. I met him through work in RTE when I was producer there. Uh, I did a series of documentaries with him, which won a Jacob's Award and we kept in touch after that. And then uh, over the years, I I did a a show called Who By Fire, which was about Auschwitz, which used his music. Uh, And then uh, in 2016, I worked with him on Between Your Love and Mine, which was a requiem for young people who had died by suicide. Uh, And we worked on that right up until a couple of weeks before he died. And um, then I did a book on him this year. I was going to say last year. It's actually this year. Yes, it was uh, published in April, was it? Yes, that's right. Which was about that friendship. And, um, at the moment, I'm working with, with Angela and, uh, Katie Jakes, who's a singer and, um, Shane Sullivan, who's a singer on a show called I Remember You Well, which we performed in a Thai art centre, which was a sellout. And we're bringing it to, um, St. Mary's Church in Carlow on the 12th of November. And we're bringing it to Woodbine Books in Culcullen on the 19th of November, which is really, it's a show about, it's just to honor the month of the seventh anniversary of his death, um, and
0: it features the music of it is, the late Leonard
3: and, and his poems. So it, it's a mixture, and and it it just went down a bomb with people uh, when we did it in a thigh and, and I'm actually I'm, I'm really excited about it. and in the sense of looking forward to that because it's the music is just the two. It's amazing Katie and and Shane together are just yeah. extraordinary. The two beautiful voices and. Uh, just to be on stage with them and sit back and listen is pleasure.
0: It's phenomenal. It's a pleasure. Can I ask you what it was about him that really struck you? Because was there an element and forgive me if this sounds a little bit childish, but was he a hero of yours oh, in yeah. some oh, ways?
3: Absolutely. He was in the sense that uh, he was a very generous man, an extraordinarily generous man in, in terms of, of friendship. Um, and and I just thought, I, I for me, he was one of the great, great and not just songwriters, one of the great writers of the 20th and into the 21st century. And there was an extraordinary humility about him and, and a brilliant sense of humour, which a lot of people missed. Yes, uh, I don't think he would have been known things. for that, to be honest no, well, with you. No, he was you. a very funny guy. He, really was, he? was. Yeah, he was in, in a droll, kind of a dry kind of a way. But he just had a wonderful sense of humour. And and he was also very kind to us and, and, and generous to us. And um,
0: Andrew, were you a
2: fan as well or did you become one? I was a huge fan before I met John but I mean it was a whole other
0: level after I met John. <laughs> That's so interesting yeah. and, and I wonder and forgive me if this question is a little bit intrusive but because so much of your work was centred on him and he's no longer with us I know you're doing this project but has there been any replacement
3: you know in terms of focus? No and, and I suppose now yeah I mean not everything I did is 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 based around him but no, I, but a I considerable body one, of work. he was probably he was an extraordinarily inf- influential figure in terms of his writing, but also an extraordinarily influential figure in terms of his friendship. And I wouldn't even dream—you know—I—I uh, I, I don't know if there's an afterlife. I. I Anyway, that's that's each person has their own belief. There are three people I would love to meet. One is my brother. One is Leonard Cohen, and one is Raymond Carver. They're the three people I would really like to meet. If there is another side, um, well, so that, that it's, speaks it's, a lot. You'd be trying to replace them, no? I just and. and and the work is still there. You've plenty
0: to be getting on with. Yes. And I'm going to go home to Angela. What are you working on at the moment, Angela? What are the projects in the pipeline? Your Roars is coming. It's in a tour, is it? Or it's coming back this way. I the know. Roars
2: next, um, next spring. I'm actually studying music as well at the moment. And, um, oh, Why not add another keeping, challenge in? <laughs> it's keeping me so busy. And like everything else, um, in the house, you can end up doing funny jobs, you know. So I played the cello f- a few times to, to accompany Katie at a couple of gigs where John was doing his readings for his books. Um, but that's not the instrument I'm studying. I'm studying um, the concertina and the whistle in, uh, in Drumshambo, County Leitrim. And I'm home at the weekend. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, that's what I'm working on mainly at the moment and the book about rowing on the theme of rowing.
0: OK, so it's based on your your play. Yes, is it, is it what type of book is it? Is it a
2: novel? It's a very sm- short novel. Very short novel. Short it is a short novel. novel.
0: But I find that
2: I think John is the same. You often kind of follow a theme through to the end, you know. And I did the same with the winter dress when I did that. It became. It was a poem. It became a play. It became a, um, a novel became a radio play and actually the same with some of John's work which also became radio plays
3: after that too. So Just just like Chris Christopherson, you know, never waste a tune on just one song. I
0: love it. (laughs) I think as well because you obviously loved it and it keeps on sparking something else and why not? I I did want to ask you about your poetry because I know you have won Awards for your poetry, it's so different, isn't it, to writing a play or indeed to writing a novel. Is it hard to jump in and out between all those genres, um Angela, or how do you manage that?
2: Um, I was wondering about this the other day, you know, the elements of story, because we, of course we teach creative writing, and um, I think in any work that's to, that appeals to me anyway, be it a song, a poem, a novel, a play. It's really the, a, a strong story at the heart of it is really important for me. So um, and the language, of course, in a poem is so much different and it comes
0: sometimes from a different place. But um, but the story, whatever the length of it. OK, well, there's the, that. that's a great, I suppose, way to think of it. You have another piece of work, I think, in the pipeline. Yeah, I'm working
3: on a book at the moment with uh, an artist, Um uh, and again, it's through creative places, Bagnistown. It's called the La- well. The, the working title is the Last Irish Wolf. The Last Irish Wolf was killed on the side of Mount Leinster. And I'm researching that. Indeed, if anybody has any stories, you know, folklore, they won't have memories because it's two centuries ago. But uh, I'd love to hear from. Okay, them about
0: it. Uh, Angela Keogh, John McKenna. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your company this evening. I will talk to you in the morning, and I'll see you arts for artsy news this time next week, Slum. <laughs>